Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. John Clayton, he joins us every Thursday during the football season. We'll kind of put a nice little bow on the 2016 NFL year this morning. John, good morning to you. Good morning. So uh, let, let, let's start here, okay? The, the game through three quarters, okay? After the third quarter ended, the score is 28 to 9 at that point. My wife turns to me. She goes, so has it been a good game? And I'm like, no, this has been a terrible game, but I'm enjoying it because the team that I want to win is is up by a lot. I mean, through three quarters, John, it was a pretty lousy game, right? It was, but I think it was a game of fascination because you're watching. You're saying, oh, am I seeing what I'm seeing? I mean, you're seeing the Patriots being blown out. You're seeing a team in Atlanta that looks like it's a team on the rise trying to at least uh, win by a blowout. And you go, Wow, I can't believe this. And slowly but surely, the Patriots keep chipping away, chipping away, and then they get into the fourth quarter, and then, boom, they chipped. They won. John, I'm going to let you in a little bit of a secret here. I ended up covering the game on Sunday, and I was in a TV studio, and I brought my jersey and my helmet, and at one point I was going to slam it on the table during the broadcast. Thank God I didn't. I was going to be thoroughly embarrassed. But I'm, I'm with you. I was watching that three quarters of football. But I did have a little bit of reservation. Only reason being is because a few years back against San Francisco, something very similar happened. Was there a question in there, Brett? No, I just wanted to tell oh, John. Oh, you're just telling oh, okay. John. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like John thought there was a question coming. Yeah, as well. so, <laughs> yeah. And what amazed me is like I'm at the seven minute mark and I'm debating do the walk down or wait. And I'm thinking very seriously of doing the walk down because you want to get down there and get set up so yeah. you can, you know, the first group in there and try to get some interviews. And it's like, oh, man, maybe I should wait. And because I thought particularly the way it started in the third quarter, the ball game was over because are right, you figure you get to the half and everything's going to be all set and uh it's one going one way and then the, you come out and next thing you know it was even getting worse and so finally i decided you know i just stick around here and wait thank heavens i did because then i saw it ultimately what was the greatest comeback in super bowl history i saw the coleman play right out the side when when matt ryan hit him flying out of the backfield and putting that nail in the coffin in the third quarter which we all thought was the final final straw to break the camel's back but then you see tom brady come on out and and do the slow return how far were you from blank when all this was going on because his facial expressions went from glad to sad pretty quick yeah it it did because i mean again when you're watching uh, just a cutthroat type of comeback and the fact that i mean he was just you know picking them apart and then what amazed me you know the changes you know, you can see because all of a sudden they lose Campbell in the in the linebacking core off and on because of his cramps. They had to go dime. Then they're playing zone. You go, well, what's going on there? And then you watch uh, what was going on with the Patriots because, I mean, they just kept on you know, hitting the short passes, hitting the big passes, hitting just about every pass. And you go, wow, what, what, what is happening here? And by the time you look up and it's like, okay, it's 28 to 20. I said, is this really going to happen? And they're sitting down Atlanta. They get the big completion to Julio Jones. You go, okay, this game is over now. And then uh, Kyle Shanahan makes so many bad calls, particularly going for passes when he should have gone to runs. They're sitting there with a field goal 
all set to go, and they go one more pass, one holding penalty, and boom. Next thing you know, here's Brady coming back for the tie. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you that. I was wondering if you thought that the uh, the play calling was a little bit conservative coming out of the locker room at halftime. No, I think it was stupid. Was it conservative? No, stupid. I, there was a few times that I noticed as well, clearly Matt Ryan was trying to hit the long ball on Julio, and it almost looked a little bit forced, and the offensive line didn't want to cooperate at all. Yeah, well, I think what it comes down to is that they, they were just uh, not not conservative because it's not conservative when you go for the long pass. It's not conservative when you go for a seven-step yeah. drop that gets you a, fac, a sack it's and a foolish. fumble, and then you're, you're sitting there in field goal range, and you call for a pass. I mean, I mean Sean, like, how does that actually happen where when they get the Julio Jones catch, okay, yeah. because I, I, t- I turned to my wife and I said, wow, this game is over. They're going to yeah. run the ball three times, kick a field goal, boom, you're done. Like, I understand Kyle Shanahan calls the plays, but how – but Dan Quinn can hear the plays being called, right? Like, how does Dan right. Quinn not say, hey, Kyle, three running plays, let's go? Yeah, I – you know, it's like I guess you give so much confidence to your offensive coordinator that you don't overturn him, but that that needed to be overturned because, I mean, you're being too cute. I mean, it's like the, the call comes down to running the football. Just take the field goal. Don't worry about getting another first down. Don't try to go for the kill. Don't try to go for the cute play. Just go for the running play. If it works, fine. If it doesn't work, fine. Go for the field goal. Then. Right, and it's like, hey, they may be saying, oh, you know, we, we wanted to do that, but we ran the ball and we lost yards. You, you lost one yard on first right. down. You lost one yard. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. Like, run it two more times and kick the field goal. Like, are, are the 49ers watching that? Like, yo, did we hire the right guy? Uh, well, I mean, watching the 49ers do this, the hiring on this thing is just like, it has been brutal. And so you wonder, it's like, what are you thinking? I mean, they got, when you look at it, you get one of the two best coaches that are available this year. You either get get uh, Josh McDaniel or you get Kyle Shanahan. Now, both guys come in. Of course, Josh pulled his name out. You get him with a depleted staff because there's hardly anybody left to be able to hire, and that's going to be one problem. But now you have that kind of hanging over him. It's like, okay, you got the coach that made some of the worst calls in Super Bowl history. All right, well, good luck on that one. Uh, Shanahan obviously getting a lot of blame. I think it's very, very deserved. But how much blame does Matt Ryan get? Because, none. okay, they call none. The, none. Even you, you don't look at it and say, hey, you can't take the sack in that spot. Well, because, I mean, you can say he held on to the ball too much. You can say, he, uh, you know, he didn't get rid of it. But it's like, why are you calling that type of play? Why are you calling that type? Because, you know, naturally, you know that Bill Belichick is trying to force the issue and trying to take away the run and then try to get the pressure on the quarterback. But it's like, OK, fine. You're the offense. You've got an eight point lead. Dictate the play. Don't try to react to the play. Don't try to be cute with the play. He tried to either be cute or react to the uh, defense. And it was wrong. Are you the type that believes that this kind of loss hangs over a franchise? I've seen it here in Seattle for two years, and it'll hang over the Atlanta Falcons for at least two years. Because figuring that whatever they do, and you can see with the four rookies they start with the nickel, that they're going to be much better on defense, and maybe they won't score as many points on offense with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, fine. But they're still going to be a 10 or 11 win team based on the talent that they have. But getting back to the Super Bowl is going 
going to be very difficult. That means it's going to linger into 2018 and when they may have another chance. And until they get that back to the Super Bowl and have a chance to win, it's going to hang with that franchise. Uh, we, we, we talked a lot about the Falcons here, the Falcons blowing the game, but that, that's that's probably really not fair, right, John? Because uh, No, you know, fair. You know, well, but, but, but I guess the point that I'm making is the Patriots, I mean, the, the Patriots did an unbelievable job coming back and winning that game. Yeah, the, ma- the main thing was that they came back and, you know, two factors, I mean, Bill Belichick's coaching and Tom Brady's quarterbacking. I mean, you're talking about the best quarterback in Super Bowl history, getting the best comeback in Super Bowl history, you know, maybe the best quarterback, well, definitely the best quarterback ever, and the best coach. Now, getting the, the fact that he's going around the locker room, going to have each position coach telling 21 points is not going to beat us, and making sure that they stayed in the game. So while Lady Gaga's there for 32 minutes jumping around, falling from uh, you know high points of the stadium and doing all those things, you know Bill Belichick's coaching them up, making game plan adjustments and getting them in a position to try to come back. Amazing. John, do you see Gronk staying around in New England even with the non-patriot-esque type behavior that he had in the, in, in the parade? Yeah, I do, because uh, he's still talented. I mean, you know, you really – and what's the amazing part of what the Patriots have been able to do, go to seven Super Bowls, how many Hall of Fame guys are on that team? You've got Bill Belichick. you got Tom Brady. Okay, Ty Law has a chance to make it here in the next two years. He's in the top ten in the last, uh, last vote uh, that we had. And then you have Gronk. That's it. There's nobody else that's going to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you think of all the great years that they've had to have maybe three guys at the most on the players, one coach to make it. It's coaching. It's quarterbacking. But, no, I think Gronk's going to be back. Uh, let's talk about Brady here. Is there going to be a day? Now, he says he wants to continue playing another three to five years, okay? He's not no. retiring. Giselle wanted him to retire. He's not retiring. Do you think that – will it ever get to a point – that if Tom Brady's skills have, have, have clearly diminished, I mean, he gets to the point, let's say, what we experienced with Dan Marino in his final year. Does Belichick allow that to happen, or is Belichick so above it that they will one day tell Tom Brady, hey, Tom, you're no longer part of this team. We're cutting you. Well, there's nobody in coaching that's as, I guess you could say, ruthless as far as ending a career early with a team than Bill Belichick. Remember, I mean, he's gone through and taken some of the best players that he's had, you know, whether it's Richard Seymour or others, uh, and just basically says, okay, we're going to let you go. We're going to trade you and get some value for you. So, no, I think that he would be able to do that. But what you watch is what he's doing with the team currently. You know, you, you think about, and, you, you know, Bill Belichick probably believes it's going to be three more years years because what he does he takes two of his best defensive players Chandler Jones and Jamie Collins and trades them for draft choices they can get earlier like he turned a Chandler Jones trade into at least uh, one starting guard and a wide receiver with promise in Malcolm Mitchell you know he took Jamie Collins and then traded him for a compensatory third round pick with Cleveland so you can see there's the thought there that they'll take a little bit of dip for talent with what they lose in free agency this year go to probably a championship game and lose, but now have in the next three years one more chance or two more chances to win with Tom Brady. He thinks it, so if he thinks it, you got to think there's a chance. How uh, how We obviously didn't know, okay, but you know we're on the outside. How secretive was the situation with Brady's mother? Were you aware of what's going on there? Oh, no. I mean, anything with Brady, anything with the Patriots that they don't want you to know, you don't know. And so, uh, you know, Brady admitting the illness that his uh, mother had, I mean, that's just, uh, it's sad, and I hope everything's going to go well. But no, nobody really knows, wow. unless you knew the family. 
Wow. All right, John, we're going we're gonna to put you on hold here. We'll take some questions, and we want to talk about the Hall of Fame, too, all right? All right, sounds good. All right, John Clayton here with us as we'll wrap up this, uh, this past NFL season. If you want to get in, your text message is always welcome on the Coral Springs Automall Kia text line, 67974. More from John Clayton next. Giveaway call number five right now. We're going to send you to see the Counting Crows at Hard Rock Stadium this Saturday night. It benefits Dolphins Cancer Challenge. Call number five right now on the contest line, 786-534-0790. John Clayton here with us as we wrap up this NFL season. Let's do a few text questions here. You can text in your questions on the Coral Springs Automall Kia text line, 67974. Where does Tony Romo play next season? You know, I think it's going to probably be Chicago. I mean, there's an outside chance the, uh, the Denver Broncos can bring him in, you know, if he's cut and available and he comes in for the right price. But I would have to think, you know, if Romo is going to be on the open market, you know, he's going to probably be outbid in Denver by teams in Chicago and Buffalo. And if that's going to be the case, I think he ends up in Chicago. John, any update on Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, he's coming back. I mean, you know, that's just part of the Ben Roethlisberger drama story because Ben always likes to add drama to every time he's either coming back from the field from an injury or now the season. He's back. And speaking of coming back, what's going on with Garoppolo this year with the Patriots? Uh, you know, Garoppolo just uh, is going to be traded, I think, to Cleveland Browns. I think they have the best chance because, you know, I look at it as an Alex Smith type of trade. You know, you get him for a second and maybe a third in 2018 that can go to a two. You're not, you're not going to get a top five pick for him. But let's say if Chicago, other teams bid for him, then maybe since uh, Cleveland has to give up that uh, second first round pick that they have, and if that's the case. But I think, I think he's going to end up in Cleveland. Now, would they trade him because they want to get something for him because they have Tom Brady or because Garoppolo wants to play? No, they, they'll trade him because they want the value. Because when you think about, you know, Bill Belichick now trying to get enough draft choices to find starters, you know, if you trade Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones, because you think about how good they could be. You know, they had the fewest points allowed in the National Football League, giving up their two best defensive players for draft choices. If that's going to be the case, you give up a backup quarterback when you have Jacoby Brissett who can come in and be your backup. Yeah. There's no chance that they're not going to trade him. Yeah. And moving on to the Hall of Fame here, Texter want to know, should a wide receiver who led the league in drops several years still be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, are you talking about Tio? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he should be. I voted for him this year. I'll vote for him next year. I'll vote for him the year after that. But I don't have a consensus in the, the room to be able to do that. I mean, so many people right now in that room are at least uh, not happy with the fact that, you know, he had so many problems internally uh, with the players on this team, whether it's the quarterback and the fact that three teams in his prime traded him. I felt, still think he's in, and he'll get in, but right now he doesn't have enough votes. Okay, so how did— how- Explain to us how that process works, because from what I understand, he didn't even make it into the final 10. Do I have right. that correct? Yeah. So, so how does that whole process work with you well, guys? Well, again, when we're, our mandate is we don't take things off the field and put them into the equation. We judge things on the field, but the locker room is part of the field because it's part of how you are as a teammate, how you work with your quarterbacks, and that's where he had issues, You know, whether it was an issue with Donna McNabb or Jeff Garcia or whatever. And so that's the thing that seems to be working against him, you know, again, I, I 
trump the idea that I hate to use the word Trump, but as I trump the idea that uh, you know here he is, uh, you know with all these numbers, the numbers are good enough for me to get him in the Hall of Fame. What your eye test looks and say that's a Hall of Famer, but right now because of the things that have gone on with the teams that he's had and how they got rid of him, you know that's holding him back. Now you voted for him, you're going to continue to yeah. vote for him, but the people who have made the argument against him in that room, that's the like people aren't saying that he's not a Hall of Fame caliber player. They're they're upset with saying that maybe the off-field stuff uh, affected the on-field. That's been the right. argument? Yeah, that, that, that's it. Because remember, it's like when you look at the list of 15, and go back a couple years ago. I mean, of the 15 players, I think it was like in the 2000, uh, two years ago in the vote, 13 are in the Hall of Fame. If you make the 15, usually you make it. Now, it doesn't say what year you're going to make it, but I mean, there's only two left from that uh, 2014 class or 2015. And so he'll get in at some point. But uh, right now, you know, people are reluctant to do it because they look at what happened with his relationship relationship with his teammates, his relationship with the quarterback, and then put him down a little bit. But I think, you know, the eye test still says, hey, that's a Hall of Famer. All right, I'm confused about something here. I saw Dan Fouts come out yesterday, and, and he spoke a little bit about Terrell Owens not getting in, and it mentioned how Dan Fouts had a vote. I, I thought I thought the people in the room with you, I thought the votes are, are for writers. Well, it's a change this year because then I think it's a welcome change because for the first time, we had two ex-players in the room. It was Dan Fouts and James Lofton. A year ago, they came in as kind of consultants and then after sitting in the room for a year, the Hall wisely said, okay, let's get these two players and have them as uh, voters. So they went from 46 to 48 and gave them votes and we welcome them because I think their value in the room is immense because they played the game we didn't. And, uh, you know, one of the problems that, you know, what happens when sometimes you have players in there, they're only going to be there talking about and supporting their teammates, going against the guys they didn't like. You know, they've done different surveys through the years with the Hall of Fame, and that's what they found. But what we found is that two guys that are very brilliant football guys in the room, we welcome them. So Dan, James Lofton, and then maybe Troy Aikman here in the future, that's going to be great. But, no, it's, you know, 46. Six writers and two foot former players. Well, yeah. So, are, are you you're going to keep adding former players? Is that how it's going to work? I don't know. I mean, that's up to the uh, the board. I mean, the board makes that decision. We don't. Oh, okay. But that's a possibility because, like you mentioned, possibility. Troy Aikman, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, honestly, I would not be surprised in the next couple of years that Troy Aikman's in the room. Okay. Uh, our pal Jason Taylor. He winds up getting in on the first ballot. Uh, I absolutely believe he's a Hall of Famer, but I was surprised that he got in on the first ballot. Are you surprised he got in the first try? Surprised but pleased because, in fact, that was one where I couldn't say anything because I would be perceived to be biased because, you know, you know, Joy and uh, Joy Taylor and Jason went to my high school. So I quietly had to go. And it was one little juncture. It was funny because, you know, Armando Segura made the, the presentation and did such a great job. Yeah. And it's like, OK, that's great. And then all of a sudden, nobody said anything. And I'm thinking, oh, do I jump in here? And then fortunately, some people said some positive things. And I didn't have to jump in because, again, you know, having him go to my high school, if I would say something, they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's biased and all that stuff. But fortunately, he made it. But no, I was a little bit of a surprise, but a very pleasant surprise. Are you allowed to tell us what was the the overwhelming factor or the deciding factor on why Jason got in on the first ballot? Yeah, and like, was it close or was it overwhelmingly that he's getting in? It seemed to be very positive because, I mean, you looked at the sacks, the big plays, you know, the long body of work, all that played in. And it was a a very unusual year because, you know, with T.O. not getting in, and then all of a sudden, you know, two other guys kind of being a little bit of a surprise. You know, Terrell Davis, in the sense he's waited 11 years, but the fact 
out of seven good years, you know, that kind of went against him. He got in. And then Morton Anderson, the kicker, you know, probably the greatest kicker in NFL history got in. So it was kind of a surprise year like that. But Jason took advantage of that surprise and got in. And I think I'm happy. And I think everybody's happy. I'll tell you, I was very surprised Terrell Davis got in. Uh, in my eyes, like you mentioned there, four years. I would even go three being fantastic yeah, three and a half, years. really. Yeah, really, really three years, you know. And, and I feel like, okay, those could be Hall of Fame seasons, but we're, we're supposed to go based off of a career, not seasons. Well, that's what was against him, but this was kind of an open year. Now, yet next year is going to be a little bit tougher because some of the guys coming into the room are really going to be good. You know, Ray Lewis. Yeah, Randy Moss next year, right? Randy Moss, uh, Brian Erlacher, Steve Hutchinson. You know, they're all going to come in, and a lot of those guys are going to be in the top 15 and knock out some of the guys at the bottom of the top 15. So, you know, this was a year to be able to come in, make a few upsets. The upsets worked, and again, I think it worked well for Jason, which I think is great and worked well for certainly Morton Anderson and Terrell Davis. John, we still can't get a current player that wants to continue playing his own head bust and put it in the hall like he can't continue to play and be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame like Tom Brady's not going to get that. You're still telling me? Who will be the first player to come out of retirement who's in the Hall of Fame? Uh, nobody, because we wait five years, and when you think you have well, – John, we can't make an exception? What's that? We can't make an exception. I'm not even a Patriots fan. You know that. He yeah. wants Brady in the Hall of Fame while he's still playing. No, not, that's not going to change. Can't do it. Can't John. do it. Wait five years and can't he's going to be it. in. Yep. I mean, a pretty pretty evident that the greatest quarterback all time is going to be first ballot. If we spend more than two seconds talking about him in the room, we'll start booing. <laughs> uh, John, we, uh, we, we had a great time with you this season, as always, and uh, we, we appreciate your time. We love doing it. It was another great year talking football with you every Thursday. And, uh, y- you know, look, we're, we're hoping to have you on again, you know, sometime soon. We could talk uh, leading up to the draft and all that good stuff, yeah? I'll be here waiting for you. Uh, well, I mean, don't, don't wait right by your, your unit there. I mean, it's early okay. in the morning, you know, yeah. so we'll, we'll give you a heads up. And... Yeah, you, you, just let me know a day before. Brendan will do that. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, I heard that. I saw that Metallica looks like they could be putting together a U.S. tour. Are we going to see you at a Metallica show maybe? You, you might. I mean, Front I'm still center. disappointed that all, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Megadeth uh, tour didn't work with, uh, you know, Slayer because of some, you know, health type of things on Slayer. But it's like, boy, I mean, yeah, Metallica, you got to do that. Awesome. We'll see you backstage. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Uh, rock and on. And you'll have the ponytail hanging out, right? No doubt. Rock on. <laughs> John, excellent job. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, thanks. All right, that's John Clayton right there. Who... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.